Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle, and you're listening to the Spooky Hour. I took a sip of water mid song. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just really thirsty. What's up, Hello. friends? Happy Monday. It's Saturday morning right now. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be another weird one, probably. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact. Um, I had to delay recording yesterday because my dumbass lo- a week before was mocking Stuart. And um, <laughs> he uh, bought a standing desk and he was complaining that his like foot hurt. and But he stands like really weird. And I was like, it's because of the way you stand. He's like, no, it's not. I stand fine. And so I went to go stand up to mock how he stands <laughs> at his desk. And I like ended up wrapping my leg around my MacBook cord. And my MacBook went flying <laughs> with the cord. And the cord, like, the MacBook's fine, but the cord, like, folded into the It's plug. so bad that, like, the outer plastic is bent. I've yeah. never seen that. Like, I've seen the metal of chargers bend, but never the plastic. <laughs> it was so bad. And I was like, fuck. So I had to order a new cord. So we ordered a new cord, and it was supposed to be here on Wednesday. And then FedEx was like, no, no. <laughs> it said it was out for delivery. And then I checked again, and then it was, like, back to, like, the processing plant. And I was like, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? And then it showed up, like, last night at, like, 7 o'clock at night. So. Amazing. At least it made it, and we're here. <laughs> That's my story. That's my story for this week. I, I told her Stuart should have paid for it because it was his fault that she had to mock him in the first place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly he should have <laughs> woman logic uh um i have nothing to fucking talk about no we're like I mean, kind of slowly opening up in ontario kind of sort of yeah That's as of exciting. yesterday yeah you can go sit on a patio you can go shopping uh, lineups are absolutely crazy there was like yeah. a three-hour lineup to get into the winners or almost said my fucking town in the <laughs> town that i live in <laughs> <laughs> that's funny uh yeah no i i probably won't go anywhere exciting for at least another week or because i just don't i don't want to wait in line you know yeah it's I hot just, outside just, actually it's nice today but in general yeah <laughs> just let let it die down a bit and yeah. let all the crazies get their everybody let get their candles and their throw pillows and then and their i'll go after <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yay to everybody enjoying it <laughs> yeah and that's the worst part is like because we were out yesterday i had to get like my starbucks because it was friday and uh right beside our starbucks there's like a a restaurant and everyone's out there like enjoying it and stuff and i'm like it makes me so happy to see people like out enjoying it but at the same time i'm like there's so many fucking people out like holy shit oh no it's yeah no uh the reopening anxiety is like a real thing like i'm so excited but then i'm like "Mm, maybe in two weeks i'll be yeah (laughs) i think once i get my second dose i'll be like fuck it oh i forgot to tell you i got carl's second dose like wait. i booked it for him oh i was like wait you're <laughs> getting it for him like i, was, I wish like, i was confused no because he got it before the 18th he can mm. jump ahead now so i'm i'm hoping mine soon because i got mine a little bit after like three weeks after him i think i know some people have been calling and they've just moved them up because <gasps> so i'm gonna try call. yeah i just got um, a vaccine on wednesday so i have to wait four weeks so i can't even move mine up it's four yeah wow i thought it was two yeah the my um doctor also thought it was two but they're going based off of the um the who's recommendations yeah and theirs is four weeks um between vaccines Dang. so because i got a booster on wednesday for something totally different i have to wait four weeks boo that sucks yeah i'm gonna call now that you said that though i didn't know that we'll yeah. see we'll Apparently. see Really? I would love to be double dosed. Right? I, w- I would feel 100% confident, I think, if I was double dosed. Yeah. I think. I like, don't know. once it gets in your system, like the two weeks after that or whatever. Once the it chip is. activates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you start speaking like a totally different language, you know your chip works. Yeah. I, sa- I don't remember if I said this in the episode, but uh, Carl texted me when I got my first dose. He's like, How are you feeling? I'm like, I feel fine, but suddenly I could speak Russian. <laughs> like- yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> disclaimer i did not speak russian the vaccine is fine yeah everyone's gonna be like oh my god (laughs) um yeah that's it we're slowly on the upswing i hope yeah um we're getting there there. and it's nice outside that's it we're trying to be positive yeah that's all 
That's all we got, though. <laughs> that's literally all we got. I mean, Ontario's fucked. Like, everything's yeah. fucked. It's a sad world we live in. And so, you know that uh, the, the meme where the dog is sitting in the room that's on it's fire? Fine. It's fine. That's it's us fine. right now. Like, yeah. like, you know, we're fine, but yeah. we're not fine. <laughs> we're going to go out and try to find, like, a lake today that no one goes to. So... Because all Good I was, <laughs> I went to, I told Stuart, I was like, all I want to do is just go sit in a lake and not have anyone around. But like the pool just doesn't cut it. Like I need a yeah. lake. It's, it's a different vibe. Let me know if you find one though. Cause I would also like to sit in a lake. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I live close to the lake, but it's like, you can't even get a parking spot anymore. Like people are parking at my end of the street yeah. to walk down to the and lake. And also like Lake Ontario is like gross. <laughs> I will fucking do it anyway. So. <laughs> like, it is worth the three legs. We did it once. There was one year where it got, like, unbearably hot. And I think it was before we bought the air conditioner. And I was like, fuck this. I need a body of water. So we walked down to the lake and floated in Lake Ontario. And I was like, if I come out with four arms, I think I'm okay with it. Because this feels so fucking good right now. Like, it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah. I used to swim in Lake Ontario all the time when I was a kid. And out here, it's actually, like, crystal blue. It's, it's just, insane. like, not nice. Like, the bottom isn't nice. It's not... And there's nothing really nice to look at at any of the, like... And it's right, like, it's right beside the power plant. So it's, like... Yeah. And you can see the other power plant from the first power plant. Like, yeah. It's like, just... You know in the Simpsons um, movie and the f- that fish has, like, a million eyes? Or no, is it the squirrel that has a million eyes? But there's always, like, a fish. I think it's a fish. Something like that. I can't remember. That's what I picture coming out of Lake yeah. Ontario. No, literally, yeah. We have giant carp in Lake Ontario, fun yeah, fact. Like, too. huge carp. Um, but, yeah, no, it's different when you go, like, up north and it's just, like, trees and sand and then a nice lake. It's a totally different vibe. Yeah. So, and- if you find that, please let me know. <laughs> I will. I will, like, text you immediately and be like, bring your fucking floaties. <laughs> Get in the car! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These bitches need out of their houses. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But that, shall we get spooky? We should. Let's do it. I'm really excited to talk about this one, and I hope you guys like it. Because it's, I think it's a bigger one, and I don't like doing big cases, but here we are. Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about the alleged alien abduction of Betty and Barney Hill. I saw those names while I was, like, looking up the last one. Did that you? you did. Yeah. That's so I don't, funny. I didn't read into it, but I remember seeing those names. So fun fact, I was actually going to do, um... The case of the Japanese flight, I think it's like 1628, um, where they were like followed by UFOs. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know why I didn't think of this. I've already talked about it in my Alaska Triangle episode. Oh my God. So I was like halfway like through the script and I was like, I'm pretty, because I, I know the story. I've watched the documentaries on it. So I'm just like writing it from memory. And I was like, I remember this way too well. So I went back yeah. to like my old scripts and I was like, fuck me. I do that all the time where I start writing and a lot of cases sound similar because a lot of like serial killers have similar upbringings and stuff. So I literally like more than once will go to our Spotify and like scroll through to make sure I don't see like that yeah. name in any of our episodes. We've like, done so shit. many episodes at this point that like I don't even know what I've covered. Yeah. It's just like everything If you catch me doing a one. repeat, just let me have it. Everyone just talks shit. It's fine. <laughs> We're okay with it. Um, But yeah, so in September of 1961, Betty and Barney Hill had been married for about like 16 months and they hadn't really gone on a honeymoon. So they decided to go on this spontaneous road trip um, to Montreal to see and like go through like Niagara Falls um, in Canada. Yeah. And they considered this like their little honeymoon. Uh, So Betty and Barney are from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And so they drove from Portsmouth to Montreal. Um, so it's like a hella well-deserved break as Barney was working overnight at the post office and Betty worked for the state working for like child welfare, welfare cases. So they're like working their asses off and yeah. so they deserve that break. Um, so this was about like uh, a three-day trip and on their last night they were at a diner in Vermont at around 10 p.m. Uh, they decided to leave the diner and start driving home. So they wanted to drive through the night and plan to make it back to Portsmouth by like 2 a.m. and like barney worked overnight so he's used to being up at that time the hills were driving through white mountain in new hampshire when barney noticed this bright light in the sky that seemed to be following them at first they thought like nothing of it it's late at night so it could have been like a plane or like a helicopter or even like a, a satellite, satellite off yeah. Route. yeah um however this light continued to follow them and actually got brighter the longer they were like driving 
So Betty and Barney had said that the light would end up like disappearing behind trees just to like pop back up and like reappear. Uh, so the hills ended up being like, what the fuck is this? And pulled over to check it out. Betty got out her like nifty little binoculars and tried to see the like see the light with them. Um, so she noticed that the light was shaped like a flying spaceship, like a saucer, um, and definitely like not a satellite. And the night was like extremely quiet when they got out of the car, so there was no sound of like a plane or like a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were both like, "Well, this is weird," and decided to go on their way. So they got back in their car and kept driving. So they had reached Route Three in Lincoln when the light ended up hovering right out, like over their car, about a hundred feet in the air. Um, Barney stopped and got out and had, like, a handgun and noticed the object was, like, flat, but, like, as big as, like, a jet. So it was, like, fucking huge. Um, Barney also noticed um, there was windows on this flying object and there were, like, gray uniformed people or, like, beings looking down at him. So this terrified Barney. He ended up running back into the car and took off down the road. So Betty kept an eye out for this object and was, like literally had her head out the window seeing if it was still following them the next thing they they noticed they heard a loud beep that sounded like it was coming from the back of their car and all of a sudden both betty and barney instantly got drowsy and lost consciousness oh wow two hours later barney and betty came to and they were 35 miles down the road from where they last remember when they got home, they tried to remember what happened, but couldn't. They could remember up until they lost consciousness, and then after that, they have no idea. They don't know how they got down those 35 miles. Not they don't Were remember. they still in the car? Yeah. So they don't remember oh. though that two-hour span. They just completely lost it. They have no idea what happened. Sometimes I'm so tired when I drive to work that I don't remember getting there. I feel that. <laughs> I, I get that. That's Yeah. Sometimes I pull in and I'm just like, I don't remember my entire drive yeah. here. <laughs> I'm just thankful I got here safe. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about it. Please don't take my license. <laughs> like when you zone out and you're not even paying attention to like the yeah. lights. You're like, I hope that wasn't really, you go through the light, you're like, was that red? Like, I, I do that all the fucking time. I'll make it like halfway down the street. I'm like, I'm not entirely sure that was green when I, and because traffic is so dead right now because yeah. people, well, I don't know about right now since things are slowly opening, but the last little while, like I am the only car on the road when I go to work. <laughs> like... <laughs> The good news is I I haven't hit anybody because there's no one else to hit. (laughs) I mean, that's good. Yeah. It benefits you, so it's okay. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Barney noticed that his shoes were, like, scuffed and Betty's dress was torn, and both of their watches weren't working, but they couldn't remember a thing. So after this, Betty spent weeks reading, from like, books from the library, and she ended up finding out about the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, or NCAP, or NICAP. N-I-C-A-P. That's how they say it. Um, (laughs) Betty also reported the event to the Air Force, and the Air Force ended up filing it under Project Blue Book, which is codenamed for, like, the U.S. Air Force studying UFOs, basically. So The thing that they say that they're not doing. Yeah, that thing. Um, (laughs) So now there was such, like, a huge stress on both Barney and Betty that they that Barney ended up having um, bad anxiety and also, like, pretty much the stress gave him an ulcer. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah. And then Betty suffered from really bad night terrors. Uh, So they decided to reach out for some help seeing... And they they sought help from Benjamin Simon, who's a psychiatrist and a neurologist. Um, So Benjamin specializes in hypnosis. So after months and months of, like, weekly sessions... Benjamin was able to help Barney and Betty piece together what had happened to them right, right, like happened to them that night through hypnosis. Um, so what had happened apparently was that, um, from what like they remembered through their hope hypnosis, was that this flying object landed on the Hills car, which they both, which um, is when they both ended up losing consciousness. They described the aliens as gray beings. So these gray beings took Betty and Barney into the spacecraft. Inside, they were separated and put into their own own examination room. So there was a metal table in each room, and at this point, they were awake and, like, were able to, like, and they were asked to, like, sit on the table. Apparently, the table's really high up because Barney was, like, pretty tall, and he wasn't able to, like, reach the floor. Um, So during the exam, both Betty and Barney's clothes were removed, and the gray beings took samples such as hair, nail clippings, and even took, like, skin scrapings. Yeah, there was needles that were connected through long wires, which were probed into Betty and Barney's arms, legs, head, and spine. (gasps) 
Yeah, like, Ugh. ow. <laughs> um, Betty remembers having a needle put into her stomach that was about four to six inches long. Yeah, and oh apparently God. it was, like, some sort of, like, pregnancy test. Oh, okay. I feel like there's easier ways to figure out if you're pregnant. Girl, pee on a stick. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I guess guess the aliens weren't up to their technology. They're like, let's just stick this huge fucking needle in your stomach. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) We can, we we can invent like flying fucking spacecrafts and that hover, but we cannot determine pregnancy tests. I'm sorry. You can't just pee on a stick. It just... We have limits. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So once Betty's exam was done, they moved her into a different room. So the gray beings were like weirdly excited. So they found out that Barney's teeth could be removed. Um, So Barney had denters. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And these aliens were like fucking stoked on this apparently oh my god betty tried to explain to them and she she through her hypnosis she remembers laughing that they were that excited about like being able to oh this is so weird (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so during all these exams there was one of the gray beings standing off to the side the whole time so just like observing but apparently it was like the leader um bendy betty fuck betty ended up talking to this leader and asked where they were they were um like where they were like in the universe and she had like because she had no idea yeah the universe at all like what the hell was going on and apparently the leader responded with and i quote if you don't know where you are then there wouldn't be any point in telling you where i am so (laughs) yeah (laughs) what what some poetic shit that reminds me of a i sat in on one singular philosophy class and it all sounded like that yeah <laughs> like i'm just picturing this like alien like really sophisticated with like a button-up top and like yeah a that's what i pictured yeah and, like glasses <laughs> like this guy i'd get so mad if someone said that to me <laughs> so betty ended up drawing a star map while she was under hypnosis too um so four years later so they went through all of this and didn't say a word to anyone, but they just did this to, like... Feel better? Exactly. Like, just try to, like, ha- have a normal life after this yeah. and figure out what happened. But four years later, in 1965, the Boston newspaper ended up finding out about Betty and Barney's weird encounter, and they leaked the Hill story, basically. So I, I think they found out through Project Blue Book. Mm-hmm. Um, so their story ended up becoming a movie called The UFO Incident, um, and their story was made into a book called The Interrupted Journey to Lost Hours Aboard a Flying Saucer. Um, the reason why this case got so famous is because it was one of the first cases reported with um, uh, subjects that went through, like, a medical exam. Yeah. And, like, also, like, missing that time altogether. So they weren't just, like... So they weren't the first ones to report seeing a UFO, but their story was definitely the first in terms of what they went through at that time were they like the first couple also i think so like one of one of the first i I haven't at least heard of like two people being abducted at the same time yeah definitely one of a lot more believable than one person like two people have the same story exactly um but also because of this it also questioned the legitimacy of hypnosis um, so Richard De- J. McNally, who's a Harvard psychologist, has stated his opinion on the case, saying, and I quote, the alien abduction phenomenon, in my opinion, shows how sincere non-psychotic individuals can de- develop beliefs about a false memory of incredible experiences that never happened. So many psychologists believe that sleep paralysis and hallucinations play a role in, count- in encounters like the hills in terms of the medical exams and not remembering what happened. So like losing that time and that the hypnosis brings out these hallucinations, making the person believe it was actually real. Interesting. It's, yeah. And like Betty suffered from those night terrors. So they yeah. think that's why she like one of her night terrors like was one of these was was the encounter like so the hypnosis just like brought up the night terror exactly is what they're okay fair but like on the other side of the coin maybe the night terrors were like a a ptsd thing from the encounter literally being kidnapped you could flip it any which way exactly um it's also said that some people have like strong like vivid imaginations so some completely try and debunk the hill story saying it's just like their brains fucking with them basically and some say it could even be like stress related they are both under a lot of work stress yeah and stuff like that 
But so now the Hills psychiatrist, Benjamin Simon, says he feels the Hills didn't make up their story, but that Betty dreamed of the abduction and Barney had kind of like absorbed her story. So he said their their details matched and that Barney's descriptions matched what Betty had written down after the encounter, um, like after the hypnosis. So Benjamin is quoted saying, I quote, I believe implicitly in the honesty of these people. So people so some people believe it was just like their brains messing with them and there is some that believe the hills are actually telling the truth um either way they stuck by their story and rightfully so um they never believed it was a hallucination or sleep paralysis that caused them to like make these things up they fully believed this happened and then also again they never reached like even though betty reported it they were not the ones to like tell the world about their story yeah it was never something they wanted they didn't want the attention it's not like they were like look at us we were abducted by aliens exactly they just went to a psychiatrist to try to live a normal life and And get over what what happened yeah exactly so interesting yeah so betty ended up becoming a known voice in the ufo research and she also had been stated that she was visited after this encounter too so now both betty and barney have since passed away but their story definitely will be remembered forever um there is a plaque in portsmouth dedicated to betty and barney hill yeah it's really cute um but yeah that's the alleged ufo abduction of betty and barney hill i believe them i believe them i fully believe them the fact that it's like two people saying the same story that's what gets me it's hard like when one person was like oh i was abducted by aliens it's easy to say like yeah you made that up but two people who both lost the same amount of time and like i like that one i believe it i believe it too and like it's not like they went out of their way to be like guys look at me give me all this yeah i did they get any like like royalties or anything or were I would they literally just so. like robbed of their story i don't know i really hope they would have i wouldn't put it past hollywood to just like straight up rob them of the story though. Yeah. but there's like they um had drawn pictures of what they saw and like one of them is like the the saucer with like the windows and the people in it yeah and stuff like that so it was like but like also they went on this like where was that two-hour window they just like did they just fall asleep like driving they both had like the same like psychosis or something that's what i mean i'm like i don't mm -hmm. think they dreamt up driving to montreal yeah it was aliens it was definitely fucking aliens (laughs) it's definitely fucking aliens (laughs) it's always aliens (laughs) well i like that one um i guess we'll get into uh not murder uh so today's episode has no murder in it gasp i know dun, dun, dun. um so i am going to however say that there is a gigantic massive trigger warning here because uh it's kind of brutal uh take that as you will i no was murder, just about to say very like, brutal does that mean you're like giving us a break but never mind no it does not mean i'm giving you a break at all okay um so i was watching a random crime documentary on youtube while i was working one day and this case is just like so interesting to me um as a libra because it shows like um there was just like a lot of debate in the court and i like to debate so i just yeah i kind of wanted to do this episode to sort of maybe debate that's all that's all i'm gonna say so today we're gonna gonna talk are we gonna get into an argument holly are we gonna debate i don't think you and i will i think you and i will agree um so today we're talking about the cannibal cop gilberto valley the cannibal Um, cop yeah okay yeah but no murder (laughs) happy monday no murder okay i'm so confused (laughs) so gilberto who i am calling gil from here on out was 25 years old and living with his parents when he graduated from the police academy in queens new york uh his life was on an upswing from there and in 2009 he scored a job at a precinct in harlem shortly after this he started talking to a new girl on okay cupid a teacher who had just moved to new york what's okay cupid like a dating uh it's like plenty of fish yeah I, i think it was one of the first ones okay i don't even know if it exists anymore what um, year was so it this was 2009 oh okay because i was like what if it was like those old school ones where you'd like call this number to talk to somebody oh my god that's so <laughs> funny the like 199 or whatever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um no it was on the internet i believe um okay. so he met a teacher who had just moved to new york her name was kathleen mangan 
Um, so their relationship blossomed really quickly and they moved into their first apartment together and got a dog. Um, in an interview, Kathleen said she remembered those years fondly. She said they were quote fun and that Gil was like the perfect boyfriend. He would like hold doors open, bring flowers, that whole like W network movie thing. Um, I'm like, am I the only person that finds that obnoxious? I like to each their own, but like just buy me McDonald's and like, I think I just have, I think that's enough. (laughs) Yeah. I just feel like. I kill flowers, so I think that's my that's in my headspace. I can't keep them alive, so I'm also just like not the most feminine of people. So the whole like that holding too. doors open for me and all that, I'm like, why are you doing that? I, I can hold I my own hold the door open myself. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but she liked it, so good for her. Yeah. Um, no, no, I was Earth- trying to hate on that. I was just like, I just don't like it. <laughs> no, I don't like it either. I th- I don't like affection. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't touch me. Um, We're emotionalists <laughs> over here, so. literally. <laughs> Um, in early 2012, the couple found out that Kathleen was pregnant, and that's when things started to change. Instead of the joyful hug she was expecting, Gil threw his hands up and yelled, quote, I can't do this, when Kathleen gave him the news. Uh, he spiraled from that point, uh, saying that could not possibly have this child. Uh, Kathleen ended up having to get his parents on the phone to, like, talk him out of this, like, rage that he was going into uh they convinced him that he'd be a wonderful father and that bringing the child into the world was the right thing to do and in the end he agreed although after that his attitude didn't improve much i was Um, like imagine like your parents have to convince you of that like i feel like that's a big like red flag big red flag to maybe yeah not have anyways um no just like leave get like you can find a new baby daddy like that's true that's true get the fuck out of step baby daddy yeah um so gil became distant and uh the affectionate boyfriend who once was slowly disappeared he stopped sleeping in the same bed as kathleen and eventually seemed to stop sleeping at all gil would spend all of his free time playing video games or playing around on his computer oh i thought he turned into a vampire never mind (laughs) (laughs) that's yeah you you got me i got it um (laughs) He would be online all hours of the night into the early morning hours. Um, I wrote into the early morning hours of the morning in case you were wondering how tired I was when I wrote this. Or stone, one <laughs> or the other. <laughs> one of the two. Um, pardon my coughing if that makes it in. Uh, he would come home from his midnight shifts at the precinct and just log right in without saying a word to Kathleen. Uh, in an dick. attempt right and in an attempt to improve their relationship the couple moved into a larger apartment and on june 19th 2012 they got married with their nine-month-old daughter josephine in attendance um god we love a relationship saving wedding and baby in one go because um, that's definitely what holds a relationship together. Yeah. <laughs> Kathleen said the wedding was a wonderful night, but things just got worse from there. He wanted nothing to do with the baby and was more distant than ever. The two were barely speaking while living under the same roof. Kathleen was using the computer one day when she noticed that all of the history had been erased. She thought it was weird because Gil never used to do that. Uh, He was actually known to leave, like, his browser open and he'd have, like, all of his, like, ESPN and, like, message boards from the police station and stuff up. Um, And she was, like, she noted it because she was annoyed by that all the time. So the fact that the history was erased, she was, like that's weird um (laughs) who are you looking up bud yeah so she never confronted him about it but she did start to keep her eyes on him just because it was suspicious um good for her (laughs) yeah what yeah just wait um a short while after her first snoop sesh, uh, Kathleen logged back onto the computer and noticed that Gil did not log out of his account. She saw two tabs open on the screen and she opened them. She was horrified at what she saw. Porn was one thing. It happens. Everyone loves porn. But the website her husband had visited was called Dark Fetish Network and it featured graphic images of dead women. Oh my Kathleen God. decided to confront Gil this time. Like, I, like is it like, like real dead yes. women? Oh my God. Okay yeah um Girl, so kathleen psycho yeah kathleen confronted him and she wanted to understand what like drove him to this kind of stuff uh this part makes me really sad so apparently she thought it was her fault uh in an interview she said she thought that she wasn't pretty enough or being a good enough housewife so uh her solution was to empathize with gill and she suggested that the couple explore more like kinks to spruce up their own sex life and they were hoping that gill just needed like a healthier outlet for whatever this was um, um i almost just dropped my forehead on the table because what yeah so that was that was so her stressful. first ditch effort was to try to spruce up their own sex life because that's what she thought he needed um okay i'm not so, even gonna say anything yeah, yeah. <laughs> things actually did seem to improve for a little while but kathleen was sort of just 
like haunted by the images she saw she couldn't get them out of her mind and she noticed that gil was acting jumpier around her too he was always accusing her of like further snooping so on september 9th 2012 kathleen finally decided she had enough she installed spyware onto the computer to see what else her husband was hiding from her um, it was worse than she could have ever imagined. So Gil was accessing multiple dark fetish websites, most of which fe- featured like real torture and killings. Um, Kathleen kept scrolling and she spotted her name in one of Gil's instant messages. So she clicked on the chat and it opened to reveal a picture of her that Gil had sent to various members of the site. Uh, the picture in itself wasn't sexual in nature. It was just like she said that he took it from her Facebook page or something. Okay. Um, I just got really cold. Sorry if I sound shaky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so after that, Kathleen typed her name into, like, the search, and it pulled up a whole slew of messages between Gil and other shady characters from these websites. In these messages, Gil described how he wanted to tie her up by her feet and slit her throat. The other people uh, that Gil was chatting with were laughing along with him and encouraging him, telling him how great this would feel for him to finally get his wife out of the way and all of this stuff. And he's a fucking, he's a cop. He's a cop. Okay. So that was more than enough for poor Kathleen, and she immediately booked a flight to Nevada to stay with her parents and brought her daughter along with her. Good idea. Uh, while there, she kept digging through the, the history, and it just kept getting worse. There were thousands of images, along with Google searches like how to kidnap a woman and human meat recipes. What? Uh, yeah. He found, or sorry, uh, Kathleen found a file with more than 80 images of it of people they knew in real life. It looked as though Gil had downloaded them from Facebook, as I said, and posted them in his various groups. Uh, these women included a friend of Kathleen's, Gil's supervisor at the precinct, uh, a random teenager who attended like their local high school, and a bunch of Gil's old college friends. So along with the images, Gil would discuss plans to kidnap, torture, and kill these women. The other members of the group fed into it, giving him tips and encouraging him. Uh, they would often ask, like, oh, if you get that one, can you bring her by my house? And, like, like really gross talk. Um, so fucking gr- I'm so glad I don't have social media because, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um, so on October 24th, 2012, uh, the FBI sent agents to Gil's apartment. I was going to say, the- did she, like, report this? Because Yeah. Okay, so good. once... Once she found, like, the people she knew in real life and, like, pictures of herself and stuff, she's like, okay, this is this is not fantasy anymore. Like, I need to call someone. So they sent uh, FBI agents to Gil's apartment, and they lured him into the hallway. They called him and said someone hit his car because they wanted to avoid a shootout situation because he was a cop. Um, so apparently once he got into the hallway and saw them, he just kind of, like gave up like he knew what they were there for kind of thing mm-hmm. uh and he went willingly back to the station uh the media caught wind of it pretty quickly and it just blew up and he was instantly given the clever nickname the cannibal cop it was everywhere at the time apparently while gill was awaiting his trial the fbi used the spyware files that kathleen had found to build their case against him they believed that the messages included real life planning and that those were enough to charge him with conspiracy to kidnap um this case was sensitive though so there was the shadow that hung over that said what if this guy was really going to kill somebody Mm -hmm. um the article i read described it uh like as feeling like it should be a murder trial for one that hasn't happened yet like Um, it's kind of like a premeditated but it hasn't like yeah so it was really hard to find like jury members and all of that stuff because it's like everybody kind of had that he could have killed somebody, but you can't have that mindset in a courtroom. Like, you're supposed to focus on the case at hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, would they charge him as guilty just because, like, maybe he could have killed someone kind of thing? Yeah. Um. So, it was, like, a really, really sensitive case. So, uh, the FBI really needed to drive their point home. So, they gathered messages in which Gil would mention paying fees for kidnapping, plotting routes to follow women home, and other messages that seemed really, like, solid, for lack of a better word. Like real life people street addresses anything that showed that he was actually planning something yeah they put into their their evidence files um they searched his work computer too and discovered that he was using the police database to locate these potential targets uh so he would get their addresses and stuff using the police database which is um i believe a federal crime yeah i was like um (laughs) you can't do that but you can't do that no No. (laughs) um so the trial was messy to say the least uh there were valid arguments of both sides which i hate saying that but i'm a libra both sides Uh, (laughs) 
Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so Gil's defense was that this was all hypothetical talk and that he just happened to get off on it. Um, he claimed that he nor any of the members of his groups had actually ever planned on hurting anybody. Um, I watched an interview with him and he basically said, like, you can't help what you're attracted to. This is no different than BDSM, which is a whole other can of worms, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, um, you, these are you're looking at pictures of dead women it's yeah not the same yeah we're not yeah <laughs> uh definitely not the same uh so to back this up the defense brought forth the homepage of the dark fetish network where it states right there quote this place is about fantasies only so play safe end quote um i was gonna say are they gonna go after the people that like made that website because uh, I actually, uh, I didn't get into it in the episode, but I did keep reading and they ended up arresting like four other people that were involved in these conversations with Gil. Um, God fucking one of them, uh, was arrested for like conspiracy to kidnap as well, I think. And they brought his wife in for questioning and she's like, oh yeah, no, I've known about this forever. He says this weird like fetish. She's like, it's fine. She's like, I'm not into it, but yeah, whatever floats his boat. So like, (laughs) why do partners like just let this shit slide. turn a blind eye like it's what do they call the heart-shaped glasses and all yeah, that like the rose-colored um, glasses yeah fuck man um so the argument all centered around uh should someone be charged for thinking about doing a crime uh, the article I read from New York Magazine did an amazing explanation of this discussion. I highly recommend everyone read it because I'm not going to do it as well as they do it. Again, New York Magazine. So they mentioned how uh, attempted murder slash attempted robbery wasn't a thing until the year 1900 because of this exact issue. So, like, if you went to pickpocket someone and they didn't have any money, you couldn't be charged with attempted robbery because you didn't finish the crime. I was like, because you didn't actually get anything. Yeah. Um, So they also dive into how criminals such as terrorists have been arrested and charged based on similar evidence, just emails and hypothetical planning, but no actual, like, terrorist attack. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, this issue has been in the court system for a very long time, and this case was just one that had really blurry lines in it. Um, But yeah, definitely read the the New York Magazine article. They did a really good job. So thankfully for the defense, uh, they had one particularly damning email that seemed to make a breakthrough in the court. In this email... Oh, I said for the defense. I meant for the prosecution. My bad. Um, (laughs) In this email, Gil is chatting with three members of DFN, which is a dark fetish network. um, And he... Uh, so he bonded with these guys outside of the website. He recently quit the site conveniently enough. Like he like closed his account, um, but wanted to continue discussions with these guys. So they exchanged their emails. Um, in these emails, Gil sent a photo of Kathleen's friend Alicia to one of them and said he would charge $5,000 to kidnap the woman. The man replied with a bargain offering $4,000 to which Gil replied, quote, I am putting my neck on the line here. If something goes wrong somehow, I am in deep shit. $5,000 and you make to sh- you need to make sure that she is not found. She will definitely make the news. Um, so the persecution also brought forth searches, uh, the searches found on the police database that Gil had made. He had searched for Alicia's address, her height, and her weight prior to these emails going out. Um, side note, in this same email, Gil also promised to bring his wife to India to meet this man so that they could eat her for dinner. Just an FYI. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and this guy that was in India did get arrested as well. Thank, um, thank fuck. <laughs> like, what yeah. the hell? The defense countered uh, that there was no physical evidence to back these alleged plans up. Police searched Gill's apartment and found nothing suspicious. So, like, none of the murder kit tools that Israel Keys would have, basically. He didn't have the means to kidnap someone, according to the evidence. Uh, there were no ropes, no knives, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in December 2012, the defense team requested that Gill take part in a psychiatric evaluation, the good old insanity plea um unfortunately for them because gill was a cop he had already taken a test called an mmpi that dictates whether or not someone has multiple personalities uh he showed no signs of clinical psychopathology in that test according to a dr dietz and uh apparently he was like a rare case because usually there's like a little bit of indication in most people Mm -hmm. but this uh was a doctor's first time seeing no signs in someone um interesting yeah. So Gil did the evaluation anyways, and he gave over 18 hours of interview footage where he discussed his Catholic upbringing and awkward teenage years. Uh, oh, he said he was he has shy. A Catholic upbringing. That yeah. Was <laughs> um, so he was shy around girls, but found himself uh, getting aroused quite often. 
Uh, Gil claimed that when he was in high school, he watched the movie The Mask and was fascinated by seeing Cameron Diaz tied up. After this moment, he discovered bondage and BDSM websites. And from there, he found staged cannibal websites. Um, these ones were very obviously not real cannibalism and were described as campy. So like almost, I don't want to say comedic, but definitely not serious. Okay. Um, like kind of like, what, what are they called? Um, like, like a snuff film? Isn't that what they're called? snuff films are real so that's where like someone's like oh. literally being killed so it's like if someone made like a like a joke version of a snuff film basically like oh, the um I so was <laughs> i wasn't going to describe it but that uh he described one video in which like uh i th- i think he said the girls were dressed like cavemen and they were like eating a man but it was very obvious like plastic meat and okay. like it wasn't real meat and stuff and they were like oh my god this meat is so good um wow kill me for saying that you <laughs> so weird um so this that was his first sort of dabble into it um and then it just kind of i guess spiraled into the real fucking thing um even then his fantasies were very separate from his real life and gil remained a virgin until he met kathleen um he had never had any sexual assault allegations not even like a hey that dude's creepy comment was made about him until this whole cannibal cop thing happened um, so Dr. Dietz came to the conclusion that Gil did not have any of the characteristics one would find in someone who would actually commit a crime of this level. Um, part of his statement read, quote, this is just like a man who has a fetish who will repeatedly go back and look at the same picture of a woman wearing a particular kind of undergarment. Take that as you will. Um, the trial kept raging uh, in this like sort of back and forth. And Kathleen did end up taking the stand uh, against her estranged husband this seemed to be the nail in the coffin, and on March 12, 2013, the jury announced that they'd found Gil guilty of conspiracy to kidnap. Oh, so, shit. most of the media and the public celebrated as the cannibal cop was walked away in handcuffs, but Gil's mother and his legal team promised that they were not done here when they were speaking to reporters outside the courthouse. Um, there's actually a video, I can't remember if it was his co-worker or his lawyer, uh, gave an interview being like, you can't charge someone based on this. You can't. We're not done. Like, she was very, like, cocky about it. Yeah. Um, they were right, though. In 2015, Gil filed an appeal with the U.S. Appeals Court, and by God, he won. Uh, he was cleared of all charges based on the lack of physical evidence. So to this day, Gilbe- Gilberto Valley is a free man. Is he still a cop? No. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so since then, he's worked the media circus by giving interviews to anyone who will listen. Uh, he insists to this day that it was all just fantasy and he really wouldn't hurt anybody. He wanted to clear his image up with the public because he couldn't get any work anywhere now that he was this cannibal cop. Uh, when this didn't work, he wrote a graphic horror novel in 2018 that Gil himself has called, quote, disturbing. Um, the image used for the, like, the promo of the the book was actually really fucked. So he's, like, posing like he's, like, a bad boy cop kind of like he's got his arms crossed and he's got his chin all up like oh like yeah like looking all like smug and stuff um so it's it's like a publicist was like trying to change his image so if the public didn't want him to be like the good guy anymore he's gonna morph into this like big bad horror nerd thing to like go along so with weird. the cannibal cult cop thing uh, yeah so in an interview given for the the book promotion he said quote when the criminal case and appeals finished and I was completely exonerated, I could have tried to run from this, but I didn't think that was very realistic. Option two was just to sort of accept it and make a new life with it. You know, the old cliche, make lemonade out of lemons. Um, obviously, the book him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously, the book sucked. And in 2019, he attempted to sue for wrongful imprisonment. Uh, he lost. So the last little like media blip from him came in January 2021. When he decided to weigh in on the whole army hammer as a cannibal thing, seeing as he's an expert in fantasy cannibalism, um, he gave an article that no one asked him to give talking about it. And he's like, you know, I just hope that people stop talking about me now that army hammer is also a cannibal. Um, okay, <laughs> it's just that's how that works. The most bizarre article I've ever read. Um, so I'm curious to see what people think about this case. Personally, I think he should have gone to jail um regardless of physical evidence there's there's evidence of stalking there's like a stalking aspect to it and i feel like that in itself is enough to put him away and i kind of like at least in the articles i read there was no mention of like stalking in the courtroom which i thought was odd like he's tracking these women using police like equipment or whatever the database is yeah and they were like no no no, he's not a stalker like like they just didn't yeah that's what i don't get it's just like I can understand, like, the aspects of it where it's, like, he didn't actually, like, 
kill anybody yeah do anything but like very weird case but and so i understand that but like everything he did should be considered a crime like you can't use your company's yeah technology to look up where somebody lives to stalk someone that's stalking and i feel like that was a big thing that was missed in this case is that he was a stalker like not only was he this like you know i'd we don't king shame in this house but he was a fucking weirdo like that's fucking weird and that's one thing but he stalked these women and like you could charge someone on making death threats and he technically planned out someone's death his own wife he said he wanted to hang her up and cut her throat like whether it's it's fantasy or not you still can't say that like the way i see this case is if you put it in a hundred courtrooms 50 will find him guilty 50 will find him innocent it's a very weird case uh personally my belief is that he should have been put away for something like you know he for me it's the whole stalking aspect i can't get over it like he was literally preying on these women and everyone just kind of ignored it yeah so at least for that fucking lock him up but like the good news is he's obviously not doing well in life now (laughs) (laughs) so i'm curious to see your thoughts because you know this this case kind of towed a lot of the lines with like bdsm and all that stuff like what is you know what is fantasy versus what is crime and you know bdsm is a safe community we Mm -hmm. all we say that like every time we talk about something like that it's a very safe community i feel like when you cross the line and you put dead people on your website Mm -hmm. it is no longer kinky like that's just that's just it man i just think like my my thing is he technically made death threats and yeah he used uh a police's database to find out where people live that's a crime in itself yeah like so like you know even if it's a short sentence or whatever for like whatever petty little thing they could get i think he he should have been punished you know he just got like a slap on the wrist yeah well that was that case that was fucking mine but when you text me and said that it's not a murder case this week i was like how does that even happen i was like what are we talking about oh it happens about? <laughs> it was so wild and i was kind of like a little bit unsure because he's it is technically wild. innocent yeah but i was like you know what? i won't fucking talk about this yeah so no. if you guys have thoughts and opinions this, let me know this this freaking case was crazy i did not hear about this ever that's not i hadn't heard about it either but apparently it was everywhere at the time um as i googled though like you could see articles from back in the day being like killer cop launches new book killer cop does this like apparently it was maybe we were just not looking at the right yeah. things at that time 2009 fuck we were seeing cobra starship in concert or something like i was gonna say we were like in grade 10 <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like we all we cared about was um eating lunch through a vending machine having colored hair and saving concerts. all of our lunch money t- to go to concerts oh my god yeah that anytime my life. mom gave me any money it would go to work and i did babysitting too i babysat and it all just went to concerts yeah. that's i'm pretty sure that year we saw at least 10 concerts i used to on my myspace have an ongoing list of like bands i had seen because i thought it was like really cool that i wasted my money like that yeah. <laughs> But it's like, it would be like, Cobra Starship times four, Fall Out Boy times six, My yeah. Chemical Romance times three. Like, we the Kings. <laughs> God, I saw them like eight times. They just yeah. opened for everybody. <laughs> I, we, I saw Metro Station. That was very I uncom- saw them once. That was yeah. very uncomfortable. God. <laughs> um, yeah, like We the Kings, The Cab. Cab I saw a lot. I think Follow Boy I've seen the most, which is funny because they're not like my number one favorite, but I just yeah. went to see them every time they came i think i've seen weezer the most because of oh like we've me okay so we have like a casino near like, oh, in yeah, ontario yeah. and um we would get like free tickets when they would like play there because of stewart's parents and so we saw them there like three times but then our friends won tickets through a radio station to see weezer so we like every time i've seen weezer i've it's been free you've never paid to see I've never weezer. Paid. <laughs> and it's been great because they're like one of my favorite bands do you remember versa emerge oh my god yes i saw them like a million times i never liked them but they just opened for everybody. everybody i'm pretty sure i've seen them the most i think they are yeah. actually the number one but n- not because i like them <laughs> and like hey monday hey monday i've seen a bunch uh panic at the disco i saw like eight times we like do you, well that camp out that one time by the lake <sighs> was so much fun well, did anyone else do that can you guys let us know because i told my boyfriend that and he thought we were weird that we yeah. like camped out for concerts i was like, like we lots went out of at, people like, did 6 a.m we need yeah. a front row and we were yeah. dedicated 
and it was God, like the middle of the winter and we days. wore sweaters that was it i can't wait to go back to shows i can't wait if we get the opportunity to upgrade to floor for my chemical romance i might have to upgrade to floor for my chemical romance i'm let's do i it. just i need someone to like kick me in the face while crowd surfing you know i need yeah. to feel that rush i'm not again. okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <It's> gonna... <laughs> we deserve that you guys uh oh my but, god and warp tour i would love a warp tour resurgence oh my god yes warp tour you ended but you have to come back just because of covid like it's yeah thing. they and like it's outside it's like the most safest place to hold a concert right now yeah. so fucking so do it come back if you, if you guys are like a former emo kid just you'll get all of this this last five minutes yeah. of this episode that was for you <laughs> and if you're not then you're missing out yeah just listen to every single band we've mentioned. Yeah, you're in for a good time. <laughs> Start with Cobra Starship. Yeah, that's the peak. That's the peak right there. Do you remember the purple sweater? Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. I, you know, I actually like threw mine out like two years ago. <gasps> did you? I did. I donated it. Oh, that hurts it. a little bit. I shouldn't Aww. say I threw it out. I donated yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah damn you just it, gotta let it go yeah it like fit my one arm and that was <laughs> yeah it, so it american apparel yeah <laughs> um but if you wanted to talk about this crazy fucking case and debate with us on what you think because it's, it's going to be interesting to see what people think about that because it's just mind-blowing that yeah I don't know. yeah it's a fucky case it's, i it's, did it on purpose <laughs> it's a crazy case come chat with us about it um we have instagram it's a spooky hour podcast is it Yes. Oh my God, I think I, I did this so. last time too. A Spooky Hour podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Spooky Hour and you can email us the Spooky Hour podcast 666 at com. And I think that's it. We're because we're technically you, the Spooky Hour, but our Instagram took someone took everybody the. took our name. Okay. <laughs> we're trying to make it work. Yeah. And the worst part is there's not another podcast with the Spooky Hour. So it's not like we took another podcast name. Someone just has the fucking Instagram yeah handle. and it's just holding it hostage on and us. they don't it's use fine. it they don't use it so like you delete would... it and let us have it <laughs> we should start like a petition yeah everybody sign it um what else i want this week i want everybody to comment what band they saw most in high school because it's funny and i just want to know all about it yeah i want to know what everybody saw the most even if it wasn't <laughs> a band like you have like yeah what artist i should say who did you go to the most concerts of in high school that sentence was composed horrifically i was like that you just like you sounded like me (laughs) who did you see the most when you were in your youth that's what i want to know and if someone says taylor swift then please leave i've seen her twice holly has to leave (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny because i've also seen like black dahlia murder and like amana marth but then i've also seen taylor swift and we saw shania twain well shania twain is like the queen she is the queen but yeah let me know i'm curious to see who else was little emo kids like us yeah come and with that chat with us stay spooky stay spooky friends bye, bye. <laughs>